Thank you so much for joining us this morning online to celebrate Palm Sunday. Pastor Mike will be preaching from 1 John 5, 13 through 21. As the uncertainty of the day continues, Pastor Mike's message will challenge us to seize the day by fearlessly trusting in the truth of God's word to carry us forward in faith. As you turn in your Bibles, we'd like to ask you to remember to like and share our Facebook watch party for our services online today. Now let's hear from Pastor Mike. Good morning, I'm Pastor Mike Shepherd, and welcome to Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday signifies the beginning of Holy Week or Passion Week as some refer to it. It marks the beginning of the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry and culminates in the fulfillment of the Father's plan of salvation for His creation. Um, it's the, referred to in Scripture as the triumphal entry, not because Jesus was seeking authority, but He came with authority and in power to conquer death by way of the cross. It's interesting because this biblical narrative is a rich picture, vibrant, exciting in a lot of ways. And I want you to see it for what it really was uh, some 2,000 years ago. There was symbolism in here and truths in here that really give us the why this is a significant day and why it was a triumphal entry. It starts with the palm branch, the symbol of Palm Sunday. The palm represented victory, triumph. It also represented peace and eternal life. So you can see how it fits. There was also what the people were shouting in the, the biblical narrative in Matthew 21.9. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See the word Hosanna, it means save us, we pray in Hebrew. and changes the kind of uh, the way you look at that passage when you read it that way. You see, the Jews, by saying that, was significant when he was coming into the city. What they were saying, they were recognizing Jesus as Messiah. And although they had a misguided understanding of who the Messiah would be and what he would do, they were actually looking for an earthly king. It's funny, they missed Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that true salvation to all who would believe and trust in him. That's why Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then we see that he came into Jerusalem riding on a borrowed donkey, which was fulfillment to the Old Testament passage in Zechariah 9.9. And, you know, in biblical times, kings are important people they would arrive in a possession riding on a donkey, and then by doing so, it conveyed uh, to those present that the rider came with peaceful intentions, which reminds me that Jesus was referred to in Scripture as the Prince of Peace. Again, significant. You know, it's funny. It's, uh, it's not funny. It's stunning in the midst of the celebration and, and all the chaos that resembled a celebrity entering any event in, in our modern culture. The Bible records something that is stark and a contrast to what's going on. In Luke 19, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. You see, the Jews were looking for someone to fight their battles, someone to deliver them from their oppressors. 
And Palm Sunday reminds us that's not the victory that Jesus came for. That's not what he came to triumph over. See, he came to deliver us from a real worldwide dilemma. And that dilemma is no one will live forever. Ten out of ten people will die. The Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. You see, the most deadly virus in the world is sin, which every human being will die from one day. The only remedy for that, the only cure for that, is the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. He came to triumph over sin and give us victory over physical death through the cross so that no one would have to fear dying. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. To me, that's worth a shout out of Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because Christ's ultimate sacrifice, we can be set free from death. We all recognize we're living in unprecedented times that are wrought with uncertainty. Everywhere we turn, it's COVID-19 pandemic being shouted and explained and misunderstood in many ways. To me, fear rules the day because so many are tragically dying. People who have never felt anxious before are suddenly weighed down with worry and fear. We find ourselves isolated and cut off from all social interaction. Schools are closed. There are no more sporting events or events in general. In fact, churches are closed and we're meeting online. People are driven by fear because of the unknown. People must have known something I didn't know because the world is out of toilet paper and I never got the memo. It's weird how people do such unpredictable things when they're driven by fear and uncertainty. That's why the Bible is the perfect remedy for the way we feel today in our culture, in our society in these times. 365 times, which is no coincidence, the Bible says, fear not. One of the most famous ones is in Luke 2.10 where it says, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's what the angel said when Jesus was born. It's just as applicable today. Jesus came so people could overcome fear of the things that happen in this world. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in Philippians 4, 6, the first part says, do not be anxious about anything. Not to be anxious about anything. Why? Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. I hope to give you a good word today because Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. In unprecedented times, the Bible assures us there are some truths that are absolute and can be known for certain. The early church was no stranger to poverty and persecution and plagues and hysteria. In fact, the apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John and the book that we're going to study today, which is 1 John 5, he was, uh, uh, by the emperor Domitian, sentenced to be boiled to death in oil. And while he was being boiled, he lived through it, he was still preaching the Gospel. And then he was ordered to take poison and still didn't die. So he faced death and many other things in his life. And he wrote some of the most compelling truths in Scripture because he knew the fear people had about death and things that were uncertain. 
I want to challenge you all, although we're only going to go through part of this passage, I want you to spend the whole month of April for the rest of the month reading the Epistle of John. That's 1 John. It only takes 15 minutes, but when you read that, you will be so encouraged and strengthened to live boldly and courageously amidst all the uncertainty of our day. See, the triumphant truths that he delivers in this epistle, when trusted, lead to courageous living. And don't we all want to live courageously? These five truths that we're going to look at right now in chapter 5, they cannot be denied and they'll never change. Given the current uh, state of affairs of fear and uncertainty, I thought today would be a good day to focus on things we can be sure of. And I want to give you five triumphant truths for courageous living. And the first one is the promise we find in the passage. In 1 John 5, 13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? As a believer, we can know we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. God has gone on record in his word and he's offering eternal life to anyone who believes in his son. That's why we see John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life life that is a promise and I, I I think that when you listen to a few other verses it makes it really clear how serious God is about this promise and keeping it John three thirty six says whoever believes in the son has eternal life John five twenty four says truly I say to you whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life John 6, 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Romans 6, 24, it's not just John. The apostle Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You see, in times of confusion, in times of fear, and in times of uncertainty, the first truth of which we can be certain is God's promise of eternal life. Next, he gives us a promise that he hears our prayers. In verse 14 and 15 in 1 John 5, he goes on to say, This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So the second truth is we can be sure God hears and answers our prayers. Now more than ever, Christians ought to respond not in panic, but in prayer. In other words, prayer should not be our last resort. It should be our first response. In times of crisis, you know, I gave you that verse a little earlier about Philippians 4, 6. It goes on to say much more. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but then it goes on to say, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And don't we have so much to pray about? We need to pray for our government leaders to do the right thing for medical leaders, for protection and wisdom to help curve the escalation of this virus. We need to pray for those in need, those who are lonely and isolated and without hope. We need to pray for the vulnerable, those who are immunocompromised or are already sick. And see, in uncertain times, it's essential that the church chooses prayer over panic because we have truths we can depend on and trust in. 
And when we pray, we can be certain that God is listening. Yes, sometimes our request is wrong and God's going to say no. Sometimes the timing of our request is wrong and God's going to say wait or slow. And there are sometimes we're wrong in what we ask for. And then he turns and says, well, you need to grow. And I think that what we've got to understand is that when the request is right, he's going to tell you, go with my blessing. It's interesting because how do we make sure that when we pray, we're praying what is right? And John answers us for all when he says we have to pray in accordance with God's will. So how do we know God's will? See, we have to recognize prayer is not about getting my will done in heaven. It's about getting God's will done here on earth. That should change how we pray and how we look at prayer. And when our prayer requests align with his will, we know he will hear and he'll give us what we ask of. So to pray effectively, we need to determine God's will. And how do we do that? Well, we have to go to scripture to do that. Most of God's will is already laid out in the pages of a scripture. So we can turn to the commands of God and the word of God into requests to God. We should make prayers that we found in God's word our own. And we pray God's promises back to him. I think that we have to understand using scripture as the basis for our prayer life will ensure that we pray in a way that honors God and that we know that he will hear and answer us as we pray. So we can be certain about our promise and we can be certain that our prayers are heard. But here's an awesome one right now. We can be certain that we have a protector. God is our protector. In 1 John 5, 18, it goes on to say, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Please understand that John isn't saying that Christians don't sin. In fact, in the first chapter of 1 John, he says that if you claim to be without sin, you're a liar, for he knows everyone sins. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. What he's saying here is that the, uh, our life, the evidence of our life should not be a pattern of sin, a lifestyle of sin. Yes, we'll sin, but in Christ we should be able to overcome sin in our lives. It's interesting because um, John is suggesting that Jesus is our protector. Now, he's not going to always protect us from harm or illness or poverty or financial ruin or disasters, but rather he's going to protect us specifically in the passage from spiritual harm from the evil one. It's spiritual And the Bible tells us that we have an enemy, an adversary, so it says. In fact, it said he's a a roaring lion, prowling, looking for someone to devour. Satan uses every means at his disposal to lure believers into sin in hopes of derailing their salvation. And though a true believer, Satan can't take away your salvation, he can diminish the light of the love of God in you and thus limit your ability to influence and to reach others for the glory of God. And that's why he continues to battle us each and every day. And the truth is we all do fall for his schemes, but John is assuring us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He is our protector. He has our backs. We put our faith in Christ. He washes all our sins, past, present, and future, and we're safe from whatever Satan will throw at us no matter what temptations, trials, or tests come our way, we can know for certain that Jesus is our protector and he's looking out for us and he'll protect us from those spiritual assaults. In fact, the Bible says he gives us 
uh, spiritual armor. That's another message for another time. But we have to recognize Jesus has set us free from sin and Satan. And even though we mess up fairly often, the ultimate victory and triumph is ours in Jesus Christ. So we can be certain about our promise and our prayers and that he's our protector, but we can also be certain about our providence. That's a place or source of origin. In 1 John 5, he says, we know that we are from God. You have to recognize that you hold a precious position, a priceless place in God's eternal family. That's incredible if you think about it. God wants a family. And he created you to be a part of it. The entire biblical story is about God building a family who will love him, honor him, and reign with him forever. In Ephesians it says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. See, you see, when we place our faith in Jesus, God, the Father, becomes just that, our Father. And we become his children and other believers become our brothers and sisters and the church becomes our spiritual family. See, Christians aren't just called to believe, they're called to belong. We're not meant to live as lone rangers in isolation. Rather, we're really created for community. Being a part of God's family is all about togetherness. We laugh together, we cry together, we mourn together, we dream together. In fact, the Bible says Christians are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, and will be caught up together. That's a lot of togetherness in the family of God, and that should get us all to say amen. I think especially in times like this when you're supposed to be isolated and practice social distancing, it's easy to feel alone and cut off. But I want to tell you, when you're in God's family, you're never alone and you're never cut off from the love of God. In fact, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You know, we have to recognize now more than ever, I think we learn to appreciate how wonderful family is. But we have to recognize family is temporal and fragile it's broken by divorce and relational issues and distance and growing old and eventually death on the other hand our spiritual family is a forever family relationships with other believers will continue throughout eternity we know that we are God's children that's something you can be sure of today if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior John finally gives us a last truth, and that's really that we can, we, we can be sure of our position. He closes the letter with these words in 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. The word true in this passage really means the original opposed to a copy or authentic and uh, as, as opposed to imitation or synthetic. Jesus is the true light of life. He is the truth incarnate. He is authentic. Everything else 
is only an invitation, which is why John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In short, Jesus is the real thing. In fact, Jesus is the only thing when it comes to eternal security and safety. And that's all that really matters is Jesus. I think we have to recognize it's important to recognize this because we have to know there are some things to be sure of. And when we're sure of certain things, it helps us look at our situation, our circumstances, and life in general more courageously and optimistically. I remember the great illustration of when they built the Golden Gate Bridge. It was going to be built in three sections, and the first section was going to be the easiest, and the next two were, would be more complicated and more dangerous. And when they built the first section, they lost many lives, and the people um, in the Bay Area were just you know, upset that so many people would lose their lives in building this bridge. So they took an offering to buy these nets that would go underneath the workers and protect them as they worked. The amazing thing is, is that when they put the nets up, they built the next two sections faster than the first section. And in the process of doing it, no one died. In fact, no one even fell in the nets. And when they got finished, they asked the, 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 what was the difference for the workers. And they said when they knew they had the security of the nets below them, they could work with confidence that they knew that they wouldn't die. And it changed the way they worked. The same should be for us as we look at these truths in God's scriptures. When we had this truth, this is undergutting support and security that we know that God is there, that God cares, that God protects, and God promises that he has the answers for life and that he is life in and of itself. I think I want to close with a passage that John also referenced in his gospel where he said, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you will also be. We're living in uncertain times, no doubt. But First John gives uh, us some truths that have stood the test of time. And we can know for certain and be certain about our promise that we can know we have eternal life. Be certain about our prayers that God hears us. Be confident that he's our protector and that we have our providence and our position in the family of God. So when you feel overwhelmed and anxious in the days come, remember these triumphant truths. Take refuge in them. And live them out with confidence that they'll never change and they're absolute. When you know you have eternal life, you know your prayers are heard by God, you can know that you've been vaccinated against sin and death because it's been overcome by the cross. And what good news is that? I want to say for all those who are out there watching and listening in your kitchen, in your den, sipping a cup of coffee, if you don't know Jesus yet, I want to introduce you to him as the Savior of the world. More importantly, as the Savior of your soul. He stands ready to receive you, to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and adopt you into his family and introduce you to your Father, his Father, God, and give you a forever a family 
for he'll give you eternal life. All it takes is to believe, to believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, for he is our salvation. So listen, I hope I was able to encourage you today in midst of all the things that are going on around us, the chaos and the uncertainty, that you can be certain that God's word rings true no matter what's happening in your life. And I pray for all your safety and I pray for all your health, but I most importantly pray for Jesus to captivate you and capture you and enable you to triumph over sin and death today. And if you know him as your personal Lord and Savior already, I hope today gave you the confidence to be bold in your faith and the proclamation of God's word in the midst of panic and despair in the world. Because it needs you, because it needs him. I hope you were encouraged by the message. If you would like to talk with one of our pastors, please send us an email by entering your details and any comments you may have in the form provided when you click on the contact tab at the top of our website's homepage. Please know how much we love you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Today, know that you are loved and that your faithful father knows your fears and your struggles and he is there for you. Thank you so much for joining us online. And now please go be Jesus to someone.